time for the Retirement Roadmap Podcast with registered financial consultant Glenn Mosseller. Time for another edition of the Retirement Roadmap. Walter Storholt here alongside Glenn Mosseller and looking forward to today's conversation about blind spots in retirement. Glenn, by the way, is a registered financial consultant and the founder and president of Roadmap Financial Consulting. And speaking of kind of being on the road, Glenn, our conversation today is about, you know, a comparison of if we're driving down the road, you know that, you know, typically what, over your left shoulder, over your right shoulder, you've got some blind spots. Truckers, great example. Sometimes because of the way the cabs are built, they can't look over their left shoulder, right shoulder. Side mirrors can't show them necessarily the whole picture alongside the vehicle. So they kind of have to operate knowing that there's some spots they can't really see. And so they kind of have to rely a lot on instinct and, and just kind of know that there's there might be something tracking into that blind spot. And they have to be extra careful of those things. We're going to try and identify some of the blind spots we often see retirees and pre-retirees encounter. Things that you don't know are there, but you still need to be thinking about planning for and making sure that you address. And if you'll explain for us why these blind spots often cause problems for people as well. One easy one to point out is take one look at the market. And there's this danger of a downturn, especially if you're really close to retirement, makes it even worse than if it happened later on in your retirement years. Why is that such an important financial blind spot to address? Well, Walter, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a set of risks that don't really exist while you're in the accumulation phase and, and while you're saving for retirement. Because, you know, and during those years, the, the idea is, is that you're, you're not really taking any distributions, right? I mean, you're just saving it, you're putting away, you're, and you're, when you're in those years of saving, you know, when the market takes a tumble and, and prices fall, it's really an opportunity to be able to buy more shares at low prices. That's the doubt that, you know, everybody's heard of dollar cost averaging. But when we make that transition to at retirement or, or in retirement, and for the most part, that all that money's saved and maybe there's a little bit left or maybe, you know, to put away and save, or maybe you've already retired and there's really no new money going in. Well, in that case, when the market falls and there's no more buying of new shares, then you're at a place where you're starting to take money out. Well, now we have this thing, it's, it's the reverse, right? It's reverse dollar cost averaging. Now the money is, um, we're having to sell more shares at lower prices in order to, to meet our income needs. And so this is a, an interesting phenomenon that, that a lot of folks don't really understand. They don't hear it a lot from, you know, in the, in the media or from some advisors. And it's, it's really a, a challenge and a problem. You have to think in terms of it, it, what we actually call this is sequence of returns risk. And just think in terms of when you when everybody talks about buy and hold, which is not necessarily a bad thing, you know, just, just depending upon where you are in life. But if you're taking money out for income distributions, we think in terms of, well, if the market falls and then a typical cycle, you know, might be five to seven years and it might take, you know, a year, two, three on the way down and then another three or four or five on the way back up. You know, now all of a sudden, if you're taking money out during that downturn and throughout that whole valley, you've just taken out a lot of money out of your account, you know, while prices were depressed. And those were the times when you were saving, you were actually, you know, you're accumulating more. And so now it's the reverse. And so you've really got to be aware of that and guard against that. And we, we've talked about that in, in previous uh, you know, podcasts about making sure that you have money segmented in terms of being able to say, okay, I've got some preservation money and longer term money and, 
in short-term money so that you can guard yourself against this phenomena or this risk that we call sequence of returns risk. Yeah, speaking of risks we're going to face over time as well, that market downturn, even though it might be less of an impact later in retirement, depending on how we're invested, you know, that that can still stay and linger as a problem for a long period of time. Inflation is going to affect all of us, whether that's in the short term, but especially in the long term, it's going to be a big issue. And if you aren't looking out for those insidious effects of inflation over the course of many years, well, that's something that just sits there and lurks in your blind spot, isn't it? Oh, well, you're right, Walter. I think it was Ronald Reagan who called it the, the silent tax. Right. I yeah. mean, it uh, it doesn't really show up in terms of, you know, somebody's collecting it or you're you're actually paying extra for it here or there. It just you know, gradually creeps up. And and I always tell folks, you know, when, whenever we're doing a workshop or whatnot and we look at the numbers that the government tells us what the inflation rate is. And and most people will you know they'll right away say, well, I you know, I think it's probably a little bit more than that. And, you know, and, and, and it's hard to find anybody that doesn't agree with that basic thought. But I also make try to make the point that everybody has their own personal inflation rate. And a lot of times I get some puzzled looks, you know, when, when, when I say that to folks. And, and I say, well, what I mean by that is, is that ask yourself this. Do you spend your money on exact same things as what everybody else does? And they say, well, obviously not. I mean, everybody has different things that they spend money on. And I said, well, if that being the case, then then different things are going to have different inflation rates. You know, for instance, when you're in your younger years, if you've got kids going to college and whatnot, those tend to be really, you know, hyperinflation dollars, right? I mean, the, the cost of going to college is, rises, you know, astronomically, you know, compared to a lot of other things. And when you're in retirement, we have a similar phenomenon that happens with health care and long-term care expenses. So you've really got to think in terms of, hey, how is inflation going to affect me and, and where I am in life? And what are the things that are likely going to have more inflation than others? And, you know, do I have a plan to help, you know, guard myself from the effects of that? You know, you might want to be thinking in terms of, are there any income streams that have the ability to have increasing income? You know, Social Security is one of those that um, is going to have some cost of in living increases, you know, built in. We want to be thinking about how are we guarding against that and do we have a hedge for inflation in our in our overall retirement plan? Yeah, Glenn, I think these are really important things to highlight. Inflation, stock market downturn, and then I want to build off of that inflation conversation. And when you throw in medical costs, it's kind of the same thing and that those those rates are increasing over time and it's going to kind of become more and more of a need as we get older. But it's kind of also in its own category, I guess, because, I mean, medical costs just and we know the future of, you know, healthcare in this country is like way up in the air trying to figure out what direction <laughs> things are going politically. Yep. But nonetheless, it's it's going to be a really changing dynamic over time. And it's going to be an expensive one as well. Well, that's exactly right, Walter. And, and that's what we were just talking about. It's, you know, the inflation rate for medical care and long term care is typically, you know, a much greater inflation rate or a higher inflation rate than most things. And like you say, I mean, as we, you know, are looking at what is the future of healthcare in this country and, you know, how are things going to be done and paid for and, and insurance and all those factors, there, there's a lot of question marks. And, and so whenever we have question marks like that, I always encourage folks to plan for the worst case scenario. You know, you plan for the worst and hope for the best. And so that needs to be part of your overall plan and really take that into account when you're thinking about, you know, do I have some hedges against these rising costs? And, um, 
You know, and if not, you know, what can you do to adjust for that? Because, I mean, it's a reality that everybody's going to have to deal with. It's just it's there. It's it's as real as uh, night and day. And so we, we have to plan and, and get ready for it. Absolutely. So health care, inflation, and, of course, we've got to throw in the taxes into this conversation as well. And the fact that they might increase in the future, that's in a lot of people's blind spots as well. We kind of already feel like taxes are really high, I think, most of us do, but we lose sight of the fact that this is actually a pretty low tax rate environment we've been in. Well, you're exactly right, Walter. And when you say that to folks, they say, well, what do you mean taxes are low? And I say, well, you know, if you look at the historical uh, tax charts and you see, well, you know, what were the highest marginal rates? You know, you go back to, you know, World War II and, and just after that in the late 1940s and 50s, and the top marginal rate was 90 percent. You know, I, I remember when uh, Ronald Reagan was elected, you know, he would talk about the fact that, you know, he would only work through because he, he was a high wage earner, obviously, as a, as a movie star. But he would only work through you know June or July because, you know, once he reached that point, he couldn't work anymore, or if he did, you know, the, he was going to end up giving, you know, the vast majority, if not all of the money to, uh, you know, taxes. And so I don't think that anybody's anticipating that we're going to have that kind of rise, you know, at least not in the short run. But, you know, we have to think in terms of, you know, tax rates today, you know, when you look at the overall from the start in about 1913 was when, uh, when taxes started on income, they are very, very low. They're very close to the bottom, the bottom rates. And so, have to think, hey, how are we going to guard against that? And particularly if you've got accounts that are that are pre-tax dollars and you've saved, maybe you're not going to spend all of that, you know, in your own lifetime. And maybe you're planning to maybe leave that to kids or grandkids. You have to think in terms of, well, what are taxes going to be like in their lifetime if it gets passed on? So we need to, you know, really have some strategies about how to be tax efficient with the different accounts that we have and, and really just take it into account and, and make sure that, that we're guarding against it and or at least addressing it in our overall plan. Yeah, you have to think in terms of decades when it comes to taxes, not just a couple of years, right? That's exactly right. And last but not least, Glenn, RMDs, Required Minimum Distributions, those might seem simple, just saying, hey, you got to start taking money out of your accounts, but that often presents some unique challenges that if you're not prepared for it, they, again, will just kind of lurk in your in your blind spot. That's why we include that on the list of financial blind spots as well. Well, you're right, Walter. I mean, required minimum distributions are a reality. I mean, you reach 70 and a half, and Uncle Sam says, well, you know, we've been We've been giving you this uh, tax break all these years, and so now it's time for you to start taking money out. And so it's, it's kind of forced income, right? And for some people, it's part of their plan. I mean, they were anticipating taking that out, and they're planning to spend that and use that as part of their income plan. But for other folks, you know, some people have been fortunate enough that and in, in work had good discipline as well as, as good fortune of, as how they position their money. And they, they may not need all of those required minimum distributions, but yet they still have to take them. So now we have to think in terms of, well, you know, wh- how are you what are you going to do with that money? You know, after the fact, is it are you going to be in a place where, you know, you're going to be in a higher tax bracket because of those required minimum distributions? Sometimes we have an opportunity if we're before we reach 70 and a half and we can start doing some tax planning. There, there's some strategies in terms of repositioning dollars and, and so that they can be you know, less subject to taxation in the future. I mean, you're always going to have to you know, have taxes be part of the equation when money comes out of those pre-tax accounts, those 401ks and IRAs and whatnot. The question is, is not if you're going to pay taxes or if it's going to be subject <laughs> to taxation. When? It's a matter of, of when, right? Yeah, it's definitely a matter of when. It's going to always be a matter of when, I think, 
for pretty much all of us. So that's important to remember as well. So how does your planning process, Glenn, help people uncover these these blind spots that we've been talking about on today's show? What's it look like to come in and have a meeting in your office there on Mears Chapel Road and discuss these things? Well, Walter, I mean, really, it's like I say, we, we sit down with folks. We really try to go through a full discovery process. You know, I mean, the first thing we do is our first initial meeting is, is we just try to get to know each other, have a little bit of a conversation. Do you have any plans in place? If so, what are they? Or are you seeking a second opinion? What are we you know, doing together? And then how are we going to move forward? Does it make sense for us to have a you know, continuing meeting? I want to have an environment in a, in a way that it's not, there's no pressure, right? I mean, we're just going to have a conversation and see if it makes sense for us to continue having the conversation. And if so, then we're going to, like I say, jump into that discovery process of saying, okay, you know, what resources do you have? You know, what goals do you have? You know, what, what concerns do you have? What do you want to make sure that you avoid? What do you want to make sure that absolutely positively, no matter what happens? And then as we go through that process of, of getting to know each other and, and having, you know, good question and answer back and forth, we really go into uncovering all of these different pieces of the puzzle. And, you know, for some folks, they have certain areas covered pretty well. But then they have the, like we say, we have the blind spots and we want to make sure that those are being addressed because the last thing in the world you want to have happen is, 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 you know, have something take you by surprise, particularly when it ends up costing you lots of money. And like as I've always told folks, it's like I've never met anybody who uh, wants to have Uncle Sam be one of their greatest beneficiaries or to have extra money go to the nursing home. I mean, those are things that just, you know, they, they kind of go without saying. But, you know, if you, if you don't address the blind spots and you don't know what's coming at you, then sometimes, you know, those are the unintended consequences. And so that's our goal is to really uncover those and, and, and determine, you know, do you have any blind spots? And if so, uh, let's address them, you know, so that we can uh, we can make the best of, of what might be a difficult situation if it goes unchecked. Yep, that's a really good point to make there. Want to make sure that things don't go unchecked. That's maybe a great way to describe kind of what happens in the office there in Greensboro, making sure that all the stones are turned over, making sure that uh, all the boxes are checked, I's dotted, T's crossed, all that kind of stuff. Glenn's going to help you make sure that none of these financial blind spots are going unaddressed. If you want to reach out to him, the number to call is easy, local, 336-291-3535. Again, 336 area code 291-3535. The office is on Mears Chapel Road in Greensboro, and you can find Glenn online at greensbororetirement.com. Again, that's greensbororetirement.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher so you can be notified when new episodes are posted. And also tune into the next podcast. We're going to be talking about Social Security in particular and some of the top myths that surround Social Security. Glenn will give us the skinny on what you need to know, how to uh, make sure that you're addressing some of the things so that you're not going into choosing your Social Security with bad information. We'll tackle that topic on the next podcast. Until then, have a fantastic week, and we'll talk to you soon on the Retirement Roadmap with Glenn Mosseller. 